Perik Tes, Mishnah Gimel. Mishnah here makes a point that really was clear from the first Mishnah of the Masechta, and that is that even where the prohibition of the relationship is only of a rabbinic nature, that still will be in conflict with the biblical mitzvah to do yibam, to marry the widow of one's late paternal brother. As the Mishnah states, as regards Shnios Midivrei Sofrim, the list of women or deemed the secondary arayos forbidden for marriage based on the relatively close either biological or through marriage relationship where the issue is it's similar to some degree to one of the actual cases of the arayos so the abundance say that we practically treat this relation as if she were in erva so for example a woman who was let's say at one point married to a person's son's daughter. Kalas Beno. Tar doesn't say that she's forbidden. The Rabbanon say since that's conceptually similar to one's daughter-in-law, she is practically forbidden. But the nature of the prohibition is only rabbinic. The Mishnah makes the point here that essentially it's treated the same as a biblical prohibition in the context of Yibam. It's not treated as an actual Arab prohibition, it's not that. It's not that forbidden. And so it doesn't prevent the mitzvah zik of Yibam from coming in at all, but it will be a conflict. We're not going to allow a Yavam, for example, to go ahead and actually marry through Yibam a Yavam who has the Isr Shniya to him. And so, Shniya Labal, Velo Shniya Liyavam. So let's say we have where this woman is deemed a secondary rabbinic erva to the husband, but not to the Yavam. Well, then, Asura Labal and Muteras Liyavam. That will go in the category of any other situation where this woman was forbidden to her husband, but she'll be permitted to the Yavam. So, again, the point here is that yes, she was forbidden to her husband. Her husband wasn't supposed to marry her. He violated rabbinic prohibition by doing so. But the rabbinic prohibition is not severe enough to prevent marriage from going through. They were married. So, in the event that uh, the husband dies without children, the widow will fall on Yivam to the surviving brother. And so if she's not Shniya to him, he can proceed with even the mitzvah Yivam itself. Or he could have the reverse, where Shniya Liyavam below Shniya Labal, if she's considered secondary rabbinic erva to the surviving brother, but she didn't have that status vis-a-vis the husband, this would go under Asura Liyavam with Teres Labal. So be another example of where she's forbidden to the Yivam, they can't go through with the Yivam, she was permitted to her husband, so we are dealing with a biblical mitzvah yibam. To resolve that, she will need chalitza, that would you'll permit her to marry somebody else. Or you could have shni lezev situation where she's you know, connected to both brothers, such that she is secondary rabbinic erva to both of them. Well, that would go under a surah lezev Alright, so that means the original marriage was forbidden. And now that it's a Yibam situation, she's forbidden to the Yavam, but once again, it's only a rabbinic prohibition. Therefore, she will need Chalitza to be able to get remarried. Now, more on the topic of a marriage forbidden by one of the Yisr Shniyos. Where again, everyone said that since she's similar to an Erva, the kinship there is so close to Erva, we deem this a forbidden marriage. But again, as we mentioned, if they, in violation of the Allah, went and performed Kedushin, it would go through. They would be considered married. Now, as we learn in Masech the Ksubas, the halachic marriage comes along with, of course, you know, prohibitions, obligations, and also significant benefits. 
The Mishnah teaches that to reinforce their decree of Shniyos, saying these women, because they're similar to Arias, they're forbidden. The Rabbanon said that a woman who's forbidden as a Shniya unlawfully marries this man who she's forbidden to, then she loses the marital benefits she would normally receive. Specifically, Einla Loksuba, she has no rights to collect a Ksuba, meaning upon the dissolution of the marriage, if he divorces her or dies, normally that entitles her to collect the Ksuba amount, either 100 or 200 Zuz from the ex-husband or from his estate. She loses that right, below Peros. Nor may she receive compensation for Peros, a yield that the husband may have taken from property she brought into this illegal marriage. He wasn't really supposed to take that because this was not a rabbinically sanctioned marriage. But if he did, she can't sue for compensation. Below Mizonos, nor does she receive the benefit of Mizonos of support, sustenance, paying for her food. Needless to say, her husband here is not obligated to support her, to sustain her. For that marital benefit would encourage the marriage to continue. She's certainly not entitled to that kind of support. The Mishnah is saying that even in a situation where he went away, she had no means of support, so she had borrowed money to sustain herself, her husband would be under no obligation to repay those debts. Even if, let's say, you know, they're now getting divorced, so that continuing to support her wouldn't encourage this marriage to continue. Velo, velos. She also can't recover anything in the event that she brought, let's say, her garments into the marriage and he used them until they got totally worn out. That regular marriage, she'd be able to get compensation for that, but not in this case. Now, the Gemara asks, why do we penalize her? He also is a part of this sin. The Gemara says that we assume in this case, you know, given the halacha we're about to learn, that the child is not disqualified or she disqualified. The assumption, therefore, is that she encouraged him to violate the halacha and marry her, therefore she is penalized. The Mishnah says, in spite of the financial penalties mentioned above, Havlad kasher, the child is still perfectly kasher, the child is not declared a mamzer or disqualified in any way by the Rabbanon, but certainly v'kofen osa lahotzi. This is a situation where Bezna will intervene and do everything to try and force them to get divorced, because they're living in sin, they're not allowed to be married. She's a shniya to him. The mission now states that by contrast, we're dealing with a forbidden marriage, which is prohibited based on some biblical prohibition. For example, a mother the Kohen Gadol, a widow with the Kohen Gadol, or a Grushev, a Chalutza, the Kohen Hediot, a divorcee, or a woman who had Chalitza with a regular Kohen. Not true that it's Chalutza and regular Kohen is a rabbinic prohibition, but it's modeled after the biblical prohibition of a divorcee and a regular Kohen, or a Mamzer, a Sunasina, the Israel. Mamzer, Sunasina woman married unlawfully to a regular man of kosher lineage from Yisrael, or conversely, Bas Yisrael, the Nasin, or the Mamzer. She's a regular woman of the congregation. He is a Nasin or a Mamzer. It's all just examples of biblical prohibitions, but where since it's not prohibited on the level of Kares, the marriage goes into effect if they went ahead and got married. Here, the Allah is Yesh Lohen Ksuba, she will still be entitled to Ksuba and the other benefits we mentioned above. She can recover for those different things because the Rabbanan did not see any great need to add a penalty here. They only felt that was necessary in the case of a prohibition of Shnia, where people naturally may not take that so seriously. So it's only a rabbinic prohibition. So to reinforce that rabbinic decree, they added the above penalty. But here, where it's a biblical prohibition, the vast majority of people will take that seriously. 
saw no need to decree a whole penalty, removing the exuber rights from the woman in the marriage if two people happen to go ahead and violate biblical prohibition and get married.